Today's episode is brought to you by Diane Kinlaw of Go Prime Mortgage and Jamie Tulak of EXP Realty. Hi, this is Joe from the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. If you didn't catch the first half of this episode, you can listen to that on our show on guyswhodostuff.com. Come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. A raw and real podcast of courageous women making an impact in their communities. Sharing their unique stories. Many happen to be badass business owners. We are soul sisters with a passion for creating a space for authentic storytelling. Our guests will make you laugh, cry, and leave you with all the feels while you learn from thought leaders like sex educators, coaches, real estate moguls, speakers, reality stars, and creative geniuses. We're so excited you guys are here. In case you missed it, the first half of this episode can be found on the guys who do stuff. They are our big brother station and gave us our big start. Make sure you hit subscribe so that you can check out our weekly episodes. Our first three up are so exciting. We have got an Airbnb expert and a sex educator. You won't want to miss it. Find new episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let's jump in. Let's do the dang thing. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Welcome, welcome. I am Jenny Midley and I'm here with Sarah Madras. And welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff. This is the show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. I'm Joe. I'm Josha. We are very excited. Girls Who Do Stuff. Yes. yes. I think back to like stuff I thought I wanted when I was 18. That kid didn't know nothing. No. I knew shit. I knew shit about shit. About shit. I think it happens a lot in business. Right. Because in business, we're like, I want it to happen this way. I Mm. want to see this result. Yeah. That's been my biggest struggle of Mm. launching the second business. The first two years was hard because... You have that mindset. I have that mindset. That idea of what it was supposed to be. Of what it's supposed to be. And I really just have... Like, it's not until the last six months that I've been able to embrace that surrender. Yeah. Of like, I'm going to get... I'm going to trust... What I need is what is going to be given to me when it's supposed yeah. to be given to yeah, me. Yeah, that's an interesting balance, isn't it, in life when you find like you're determined to not give up, but you also have to be flexible right. and open to change, right? That's I know I know what it looked like for me this year, so I'll overshare a little bit. When I started, when I quit and started the company in January of this year, I thought I set some goals because that's what smart people do, right? We got goals. And so I set some goals and some of them are pretty attainable and some are the kind of goals that Joe has a history of setting. They're like, okay, that's your goal. Mm -hmm." Like my goal for this podcast, we're not there, by the way. Uh, We're not going to hit the goal this year of our listenership, but I set it really high. And I did the same thing with the amount of money that I thought the business could make this year. Completely in ignorance, being this my first business ever started (laughs) and thinking that, of course, it's going to become easy to me, right? Um, And so the problem with doing that is instead of focusing on and celebrating that I'm, that I'm doing really good this year, that I'm building relationships that I like, I'm making money, I am spending a ton of time with my family and hitting a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do. I spent like the first six, seven months of the year feeling bad that I was so short of the goal that I didn't even have time to celebrate until December anyway. So I mm-hmm. felt like a failure for seven months because I set a stupid goal. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. I don't think it's a no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna reframe that for you. It's not that you set a stupid goal. It's that you did not 
work in places to celebrate your milestones. Yeah. So like you can set, like I have giant goals, right? Like it doesn't matter how big the goals are. It matters that you write them down and that you do yeah. something to work every day towards them. And maybe I put the wrong timeline on it to your point, yes. because I still feel like I can hit that goal. But now I feel like a realistic version of that is three years from now. Mm -hmm. And then all these little things that need to fall into place between then and now. But well, in my naivete, right. back in yeah. I was like, and I, my goal sheet is the same thing. Like I have the ideal goal and then I have like what is reasonable and what is pragmatic, realistic, right? Like yeah. this is the ideal. This is what mm -hmm. I would like to do. This is really would make me super duper happy and make, you know, I mean, money can't solve everything, but money can solve a lot of things. Right. So below that, I put that realistic thing because then that makes it much more yeah. achievable and attainable in your mind. Well, and it's why when I'm working with my coaching clients, the number one thing we do is every call we do the wins. And so it's getting, creating yourself that habit yeah. of they have to identify and find the wins. And maybe one day the win is I got out of bed when I just wanted to stay in bed. I sent one email to a prospect rather than hiding behind my computer. Yeah. And so you have all these wins, but you haven't been taught to be in the habit of looking for them. Yeah. And so and it's really celebrating them. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, one of my milestone celebrations is that I get to go to sleep earlier. Mm. <laughs> right. Like the, like the reward doesn't have to be right. $10,000, you know, right. it, towards a new car. A reward can I be the feeling it evokes. Yeah. I heard <laughs> recognizing the feeling. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I heard yeah. good advice from a business coach that I was talking to not too long ago about setting rewards. And he asked me like, if I hit this big goal, what would the reward be? And I said something equivalent to like your thing. Like mm -hmm. I would watch two hours of TV yes, yes. and I wouldn't feel bad about right. it. Yes. And he's like, Oh, your, your reward should match your goal. Yeah. Well, I thought, but I oh, think that makes sense. They like, should be working towards something for three years to get there. And then I'm like, I'm going to watch a movie. Right. I might not be celebrating. <laughs> well, like that <laughs> reward is your weekly reward. Like, right. This yeah. is what I did this week. Mm -hmm. And so then exactly. I'm going to watch two hours of TV. Like mine was like when I hit that threshold so that I can totally offload my yeah. email to someone else then I will go to sleep early, right? Like that is that reward is commensurate with that. You said the word flexible, and I think that's so important. Like we were talking about this on an episode not too long ago. One of my goals this year was I'm going to read 100 books. So I set out down the path. I made it to like, I'm at like 70 something or whatever. But I got about halfway through and thought, this goal is dumb. And what I realized <laughs> is I was trying to cram in books mm -hmm. to meet an arbitrary goal. And I wasn't really learning and I wasn't really reading books that I was super interested in. I was just powering through stuff, sometimes by like length on Audible, sometimes by like amount of pages. I'm like, I want to slam through these books. Got to get that book done. And, and so I had to adjust that goal and be flexible to say like, all right, that goal was dumb. I'm going to focus on reading and rereading and reading for a different reason. T try to ingest and learn the information. So like one book that I really like this year that I read is called Story Brand by Donald Miller. Mm, I've currently love read it Story eight Brand, times. Yeah. Mm. And now I kind of can regurgitate it pretty well. Mm. Whereas if I would have done the thing that I always do, which is just read that Joker once and move on to the next one. It only took 70 books to come to that conclusion. <laughs> yes. right? You didn't it only took get 70 past books. 100 and been like, shit, I shouldn't have done that, right? Yeah. Like, 30 books. But I'll be honest whatever. with you guys. I'm probably going to try and finish that stupid goal because my completionist problem wiring in my brain <laughs> wants to finish it. Oh, I would need to rewire that. I want to <laughs> yeah. dig into that. Right, let's, let's get it up. Oh. You can do Story it. Brand, yeah. you can Story do Brand it. is a good Audible like, book you too. Can do yeah. it. I, I bought it on Audible. Yeah, I love the well. Audible because that's my, that's my road trip one. It's like, it's the perfect mm. length. For me to drive to DC and like when I go visit my parents or whatever, mm. and then I get to listen to Story Brand. Wow. That's perfect. Well, song. and I feel like we need to address the concept of that's a stupid goal because as business owners, we're doing that all the time. And so when you're saying to yourself, that's a stupid goal, you're 
placing all this judgment and, yeah. Yeah, and that's lack of self-compassion. So instead of thinking I set this goal, I have to keep it yeah. in order to be, because our brain is a goal achieving machine. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, I set this goal, I have to achieve it in order to be what? Mm -hmm. to be successful, to be worthy of the reward. Like, no, your goals can change as you're going through it. You can say, hey, I thought this would bring me joy yeah. and I thought this would be something I would want to do is read a hundred books. And as I'm experiencing it, I'm realizing that's not what I want to do. My goals are shifting. And if you're doing something because you think you should, then you're out of alignment with it anyways. Yeah. So right. the ability to have that self-compassion and letting- Overtake the- the like the obligation to get it done mm -hmm. should not overtake the joy of right. actually like setting that goal and doing the task and achieving it. Right. Yeah. Cause then it went from a want to and bring me joy and happiness. And you know, like you said, learning and growth. Now it's this like, Oh, mm -hmm. I should do this. And you're losing all those things. You were just picking books to pick books to check it off your list. Right. Like Sarah, you were talking about, you went into the clinical side of social work. Jenny, how, what side, what path of social work did you run down early on? <sighs> Okay. So, um, similarly to Sarah, I had my goal set out when I was in my high school years to be a psychologist. I had always had exposure to social workers. I'm adopted and it's something that I knew I was a foster baby and we had foster babies. So I was always exposed to social workers because there was newborns coming in and out of the house until I was like 13. My parents also volunteered with Catholic Charities had a program for pregnant teenagers. So we also had some of them that would come in and out of the house. Yeah, my parents were foster parents through Jewish Social Services in uh, Washington, D.C., so that's how they ended up with me. I knew what it was, but it was very much associated with child and families and adoption, and, like, I knew there was a bunch of, like, social workers did a bunch of different things, but um, so I set out to do psychology, and then I changed my major four different times in college because <laughs> I went from psychology to, oh, I'm going to be a teacher. And so I went into elementary education and Syracuse had this great program for inclusive education that you got a combined elementary and special ed. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then I hated it. And so I got out of that and I was like, well, I'll teach English. So I was an English major. And then I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And then I just settled back on psychology so I could finish. <laughs> like mm -hmm. My parents were like, you have to graduate, right? We're and, too much into this right, for you not to like, get a piece of paper. Right. So I went my first job out of college. I substitute taught for a little while. And then I landed on an inpatient psychiatric unit and at a hospital in Syracuse. I got exposure to some really great social workers, some great nurses, doctors. Like, so there was like a group of us and half of us went into nursing and the other half of us went into social work. So I went back and got my MSW at, at Syracuse as well. Uh, funny story, because I almost flunked out of college and all those changing majors and everything. So I couldn't just get into grad school. I had to work my butt off. And like I went and talked to the admissions people and they were like, well, um, normally we'd say, you know, take a graduate level course and you'd have to get a B. You have to take two to three of them and get A's in all of them. Or we won't accept you. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, abysmal. I had an abysmal year, my sophomore year. I got a 0.7 GPA my first semester and then got a 1.87 my second semester of my sophomore year. Yeah, I almost flunked out of school. Were you partying too much? Is that what was happening? I was a what loss. Was, what was that about? Uh, God, that might be a whole episode in and of itself. What's your most secret but, story? Exactly. I was the kid that like, I shouldn't have gone straight to college. Like if I had somebody like me or like Sarah or like somebody to step in and be like, look, this is what's going on. Like, I'm not built necessarily the same way as this like traditional academia, um, which is kind of how I ended up down this like entrepreneurship track. And I ended up going to get my MSW because I had these great mentors and then I was able to be successful in that program because I set myself up for success in the way that I took the classes. 
And because I had learned from my undergrad of what not to do, it was better for me to take fewer classes at a time over the course of like a longer period. And Mm -hmm. so I needed to do that. And if that had been an option for me early on, I probably would have done much better. It was just like too much pressure. What's fascinating and interesting to me, and I'd love to hear more on, is how for you, it's the entrepreneurial journey. You're like this whole box of college and learning this way. And you knew that that box wasn't for you. How did that, tell me how that inspired, because I haven't heard this story. So I ended up getting an MSW, which I graduated with honors, by the way, from my graduate program. I got one B and that was from Professor Alejandro Garcia. And that was in. (laughs) Here's his address. Do do you send him like voodoo dolls now? So ironically, he was actually one of my patients. And when I worked at a hospital in Syracuse, he ended up on my floor and I went and I was like, hey, Dr. Garcia. He was like, oh, Jenny, it's so good to see you. Like, you know, but it was funny because the first day of class, he's like. Did you secretly wonder if he was like, I'm going to get B level care. No, no. He gave me a B to challenge me. That probably did B work. But the next semester I had him and I got an A. So I worked at the psych unit for eight years and healthcare was like my bag. I felt comfortable, which fits with the personality like of needing to do a bunch of different things at the same time. (laughs) And then when we moved to DC, I ended up in an acute rehab, which acute rehab, they work with brain injuries, spinal cord injuries, strokes, amputees, and like general rehab. You've been in the hospital for a while and you need to get intensive therapy. So at that point, I had a horrible boss at one point in my journey and Brene Brown was what saved me through that horrible boss. Like I was applying for jobs left and right. I couldn't find anything. Like I was going to HR. It was not a great environment. And it wasn't that like she was a horrible person. It was her management style was through shame and humiliation and fear mongering basically. And it was a time when the market was down like it was after 2008 and everything was like shit and we were living in dc we were underwater like it was all like everything bad was like what am i what have i done universe what have i done so i had this great idea with my girlfriend at the hospital that we were going to go and we went and took a program at an aesthetic school and we were going to be makeup artists and then we finished and like a month later she totally ditched me And then did she so, go on to be successful in makeup? No, she's still at the hospital. She's a speech pathologist. So ah. she's still there. And now she's married. She's pregnant with her second child. And, you know, like, yay, yay for her. But it worked, right? Because that's what got me back into cameras. That got me back into like, I was building my own portfolio. And then that's how I ended up yeah. going back into photography. And because it was always something like it was a current undercurrent thread. Our title sponsors for this show are Diane Kinlaw and Jamie Tulak. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or wish to refinance, why not seek the counsel of a friend who happens to know the triangle housing market better than the back of her hand? As your local lender, Diane Kinlaw knows how important this area is to you because it's her home too. That's why she's made it a goal not to just be the best loan officer around, but a community leader supporting small businesses with referrals and networking events and supporting local charities with frequent fundraisers. If you're looking to move to Holly Springs or the surrounding area, or maybe interested in a refinance to lower your term or rate, Diane offers a wide array of programs to fit your family's needs. Let her be a part of your path home. A home doesn't have to be a dream. Let Diane make it a reality. You can contact us at www.goprime.com and search for Diane or call 919-624-9541. GoPrime Mortgage Incorporated, company NMLS number 69551. Diane Kinlaw, NMLS number 1600777. GoPrime is an equal housing opportunity lender. 
Today's show sponsor, Jamie Tulak of eXp Realty, has a passion for serving clients and nearly a decade of industry experience as a top producing realtor and designer. Jamie Tulak of eXp Realty will help you reach your real estate goals. Whether you're buying, selling, investing, or renting in today's market, having an experienced real estate expert working for you is crucial. And don't forget to ask her about her hometown heroes credit for military, police, firefighters, teachers, and medical providers. Contact Jamie Tulak today at 559-707-1913. That's 559-707-1913. MRP certified. One of my favorite parts about stories is the catalyst. It's the part I look for in the movie, the thing that made people change. And what what was the situation and the circumstance leading up to that? You guys both have experienced something along the lines of you were trained in one thing, doing one thing, loving the one thing, hating the one thing, kind of just what it is to have a job and a career, and then decided, I'm going to do something else. Mm-hmm. Can you remember what the catalyst was? Was there like a straw that broke the camel's back or like, uh, is it like an epiphany that you had? And it's like, I'm doing this. This is the thing. So mine was trauma. When I started out, my first job out of school was doing in-home intensive therapy. Mm -hmm. And it was right around North Carolina when mental health reform was happening. And so anybody could open up a mental health agency and be like, yes, we're running this agency and hire people and bill Medicaid. And people were making money hand over fist that weren't qualified, had no idea what they were doing and were Medicaid fraud and things like that. And so I kept seeing this and I'm out there in these communities and putting myself in dangerous situations because I'm working, you know, with children who are in gangs. And I had a kid who would, he would, when we would be out in the community, he would walk 10 feet behind me. And I was like, why, why are you doing that? And he's like, that's for your safety. And so he knew that if somebody, like if if another gang member or somebody came by that they, we could not be seen together. Mm. Like I've had kids in group homes, you know, get angry and key my car. And I had one kid who got angry at her mom during a session and when she came out with a knife and I was like, I'm out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I called the cops from my car. Like, and so all these things are happening and I'm like, this is not what mental health is supposed to be. Like they're making them lots of money while they were, you know, billing for all these services. It was just awful. And so I said, this is not in alignment with who I am. This is not with what I believe. This is not how social workers should be treated. This is not how the clients should be treated. Yeah. I want to create a safe haven and a benchmark where clients can go and know that they're going to get the highest level of services with the most integrity and professionalism and where therapists can go and know that they are going to be treated right there were so many things that happened on the employment end too that I was like, this is just not right. People should not be treated this way. And I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. Yeah. If I can't change the system, then I'll remove myself from the system and create my own system. And so that's what I did. And that's how I started my private practice. I wasn't even licensed then. I had to petition the board. I had to do like jump through all these hoops in order to be able to start a practice on my own before I was licensed. And that was the catalyst. That was the turn as I was like, there's too much mistreatment. So I'm an advocate at heart. And so if I see mistreatment, I cannot, I physically cannot Mm -mm. be quiet. Like my body will reject it. The words Mm. have to come out. And so I saw that mistreatment was happening and I had to do something about it and create a safe haven. And just like those experiences have lapsed into creating the second business, you know, and working with the organizations and coaching people with mindset is 
if you're suffering and I have tools and I know that there's yeah. a better way, I have to give it to you. I have to teach you this. I can't keep it yeah. to myself. Was so. part of the business coaching kind of motivated by like, what if I can prevent some of these problems? Yes. All the time? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. It's so hard for me to sit there and, and see people suffering and see injustices happening and knowing it doesn't have to be this way, but nobody's teaching us these skills. I was blessed to be in social work school, like I said, because that's where I learned these skills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like through my career is how I learned these skills, but these are not common skills. Like mm -hmm. nobody's teaching relationship skills in yeah. high school or college. And I think it's especially challenging in a career because it's tied with money. And so people will put up with a lot because they're getting a paycheck. And that comes with this fear. Mm -hmm. People from work will accept mistreatment a lot more than, well, yep. basically anything. That's why I, I don't know absolutely. what life I freaking like. love the new generation that's coming up. These college kids that are coming out now, the yeah. 18, 19, 20, you know, like they're, they're freaking amazing because they know that it doesn't have to be that way and that they're not going to put up with it anymore. Yeah. People in this middle generation that are saying, you don't have to deal with that. Exactly. Like they've had it's some so kind great. of mentor or leader along the way. This was my experience. This doesn't have to be yours. Like well, and they can say either you treat me right or I'm going to go, go find another job exactly. or they can say, I'm or gonna I'm going to start something. Yes, I will create my own. That's why entrepreneurship is on the rise is because people yeah. aren't willing to be mistreated anymore. And I right. love it. Has the new generation been labeled yet? They're not, they're not Y coming out of college anymore. Are they? No, mm -mm. they're no, they're Z Z millennial. I don't know. We'd have to look that up. Will it start over at A, like a hurricane? Maybe double Maybe. A. Maybe double A. <laughs> double A. Or maybe He's been just quiet names, the like whole time, and then he bounces in with this, like, will they start over with A? <laughs> I think possible. we should. We could get involved. We could make that happen. Yeah, we can. What, <laughs> like, what would you like A to be? I think we should name them after like hurricanes. Which we couldn't get any more boring and bland than just a letter. I mean, yeah. couldn't it be Let's more give like, a name, a name. like a hurricane? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. something menacing. Alejandro like Garcia. <laughs> I like that one. Alejandro Garcia. <laughs> something powerful and. I am like of the year of Alejandro Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in this generation of Alejandro Garcia. See, <laughs> it works. See, it is awesome. See. <laughs> what was your catalyst, Jenny? So my catalyst, it was this experience with this management that was awful. When I found out I was pregnant with my son, we were waiting to make sure that everything was okay. Because basically like my first pregnancy, they kept telling me that all these things were wrong. And then they were, they were wrong, right? Like ever, I was fine until I wasn't. <laughs> and then I really wasn't fine. But so we waited, right? And I made my husband wait in the parking lot when I went in to go tell her that I was pregnant. Because I was like, I need the moral support, even if it's from the distance, because she terrifies mm. me and I don't know how she's going to react. And of course, like, fortunately, her boss was in the room and he loved me and he and I had a great relationship and I loved him. And he, I mean, I th still think he's a phenomenal human being. That experience kind of gave me license to not feel the attachment. Like, I'm a loyal person. Mm -hmm. I am like, when I connect with you we are connected, right? Like yeah. we're, we're good and I've got your back. So for me, not having loyalty to that organization was very, very hard, but it also gave me permission to say, like to evaluate it and say, look, this is toxic. And then when my husband got the job that brought us here, ended up bringing us here, like that gave me a little bit of a wiggle room. So I had the time to kind yeah. of like explore. So I did some, So what did that look like when it was, you had enough time and something to look at, it and you're like, what do you want to do, Jenny? Yeah, so... What did that feel like? That felt <laughs> like I was... I had jumped, like, full feet ahead into uh, network marketing. 
business and that was great, right? Like is that I the learned, fancy way to say pyramid scheme? It is not a pyramid scheme okay. because a pyramid scheme, you put things in and you don't get anything out. Okay. Right. Like I was making money. So it wasn't like, and I was give like selling a physical product. Yeah, it's multi-level marketing. So okay. it's like, you know, that's your, it's the non-pyramid your Tupperware, scheme your Mary Kay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I was in DC and doing the photography in DC, I, I had like, I did families and kids and I made all the mistakes. Like I did all the things wrong that new new photographers do right like I was undervaluing myself I was undercharging I would take anything that would come my way and I burned myself out so when we moved here and I had a newborn she's three months old and I had my child that was starting kindergarten and I said you know what I'm gonna just stop I put my camera down and I didn't pick it up for six months and I don't need a business and I'm good and I'm gonna just do this network marketing thing and retire my husband and I was like all these lofty goals and it <laughs> Which didn't come to fruition because it wasn't in alignment for me. Like, I believe in the network marketing model, business model for a lot of people. It did not align for me. Like, this aligned for me. So, I, t- I, I took the time over the course of two years and I met with mentors. I hired business coaches. I did online courses. I found community. Yeah. And then a photographer that I followed for a couple of years decided, like, she couldn't find a personal brand photographer for herself. So, she brought us along on this journey to figure out what personal brand photography should look like and how it should be. And then I've now taken what mentoring she provided when I'm turning it into my own thing. That's totally in alignment for me. That works for me because my catalyst was like, I don't ever want to be in that position where I feel like I am totally stuck and I can't get myself out. When you were telling your story about college and everything now and saying like the timing of it, I was talking to my wife in the car yesterday with the kids in the car talking loud enough for them to hear it. I was just complaining about like, why don't, why doesn't everybody go work for eight years, find jobs that they don't like, and then go to school for the one that they like? Like, why do we do it this way? Where we like pretend like 18 year old you knows what you like based on your limited experience and knows what you're going to be good at and find fulfilling. Why don't we wait until we, and then secretly, this is the real reason I was saying it, because at that point you've made enough money to pay for your own dang college and dad <laughs> doesn't have to, is why I was right. saying it loud you're not going to be saddled with hear. student loans. <laughs> right. Right. You're not going to at 30 go back and be like, hey ma, going to college. Yep. Yeah. How you yeah, feel about, that, yeah. <laughs> where's that check? How you feel about me? Buy my books? Maybe. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm sorry. Remember you're that money you were saving for my wedding? Can I use it for college yeah. now? The public school construct was like, what do we do with these kids now that we've industrialized and there's not as many farm kids and we'll get them ready for factory work. But now we're not raising factory workers anymore, right? Yeah. We're supposed to be raising critical thinkers that want, that don't need to work that shift work anymore. That nine to five thing. Yeah. I know, so I know somewhere there's some really sharp people working on this and hopefully it changes sometime soon. Mm-hmm. There are smart people working on it because if you look at there's a, there's a, a school called Western Governors University and it's a cooperation of like 12 states out west and yeah. their college program is based on life experience and you do things by curriculum instead of by semester and then they give you credit for life experience. But, you know, there is that room, I think, really moving forward. And the more we talk about it, the more we're going to be able to have those conversations and say, look, yeah. you don't have to do it this way. When a college degree was more, more scarce, it was more valuable. Mm-hmm. And I've also hired a lot of people and I could care less, like what the degree was, all the stuff that we were told was so important. Like, what's your degree in? What was your GPA? 
Never a question I ask somebody. My the only thing that's important <laughs> is that you are doing what you feel you're meant to be doing. Right. And for me, I hired a lot of creative. So like, I just wanted to see the portfolio. Yeah. I wanted to see if they had the skills. You got the right. skills? Fantastic. Right. Let's talk about the other stuff. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of the knockout. But I couldn't care right. less what like, school I feel it was like, or the level of degree. or and like, Because all that like, stuff can be learned. Like yeah. the skills is what are the innate gifts that you are given and brought into this world yep. that are meant to live out your purpose. Like what is, what are your strengths? Which mm-hmm. is an interesting, cause that's like a shift now starting in the workplace, right? We can teach you the skills if you have like the basic functional knowledge, but if you need to be a good fit, right? Like right. you need to have that cultural fit, that personality fit mm-hmm. with the, with the existing group. And then you can, yeah. like we can teach you how to do important. it. It is way more important. Yes. This has been coming up as a theme on some of the episodes Josh and I have been doing lately, but the idea of like, what you ran away from when you were young, like in our stories of what we were kind of rebelling against as we're kind of settling into the age that we are now, being like, oh, I miss that. I guess one of the things that I'm coming to realize now is how I want to be connected to a community. Before it was just like, I want to just pack up and move with Lori and we're going to go find something new and do something new. But now I just really want to be rooted. I want to, be, I want to know mm-hmm. the people that I'm doing business with. Like I want to know how their family's doing. I would much rather shop at a local place because I know the person and I want his business to succeed. Like mm-hmm. we had this the other day. It's like, where should we eat? And the, what crossed my mind is, is not so much what I felt like eating, but I wanted to support my buddy who's got a pizza place over in Cary called Your Pie. And I'm like, we should go over there. And that was kind That's of the logic That's a great way to think there. about that. Not where do I want to eat? Who do I want to support? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. love that. That's part of the reason why we love living in downtown Apex because we will just go walk and I will go yeah. to the local pizza place or the local mm-hmm. restaurant or the local brewery or wherever because it's right there. By the way, that coffee there. shop is now so on my radar because they have a really steaming hot, fresh cup of Herba Mate when we were oh, there yes. for the meeting. Yeah. And I usually just, I don't order anything there because if I had already coffee, but yeah. it's like, man, they, they do a great job. Yeah. And then next time we'll go and get cheesecake. You have to have the cheesecake. I have heard about that cheesecake. I guess when I was young, I think I was the opposite. I wanted to go to the biggest thing, the yeah. biggest franchise. Farther. I think that we can be that catalyst for change instead of getting your selfie at the Starbucks or at the gym well, or wherever, like you can go to your local bullshit. place. It is And when bullshit. you get older, you realize what is really exactly. important. And that's that why awareness. Yeah. That's why the gene, the brilliance of this particular podcast, right. that speaking yeah. of core values lining up. Mm-hmm. Like we are supporting and highlighting and showcasing the local yokel, right? The yep. guy and the gal who are rocking their space right. on a local level. And we love to focus on Cary and Raleigh and, and those kinds of areas. You guys are going to focus on Holly's, like Western White, yep. like Holly Springs, Springs, Apex, mm-hmm. Buquay. Bring attention mm-hmm. to the. I don't like to be limited. Stuff, if I, I want to go into Raleigh, I'm going into Raleigh. No, right. do it. We'll find people. <laughs> it's a focus. It's You'll find people. We will find you. <laughs> <laughs> That's just one of the really cool things about getting to do a show like this is yep. all the relationships that are started and the the insight that you get to get into businesses and the insight that you get into people that are also trying to live in the same space that we're trying to live in and it's aspirational and it's been it's been a very rewarding journey thus far. I'm so looking forward to your guys' show and helping you guys promote it and it's going to be amazing. You are awesome and we're thankful to know you and part of this journey together oh, thanks yay. for extending this yeah. right opportunity to us the girls who do stuff yay, i am not going to be surprised if they're immediately much more popular than our show josh <laughs> i am not going to be surprised either <laughs> well, I, let's hope for it let's make it of happen. course well, we're let's hope that it. we lift each other up exactly. and that we, and that exactly. we grow together yes <laughs> that was a mistake see i got that many words into it and i was like it just kind of trailed off you made us laugh Joe. That's what it, was. it was a mistake girls who do stuff subscribe and do all the things we love making this stuff for you 
You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media. Thank you.